0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of Wilfred and Friends, a family-friendly podcast about any and all things NICU-related. My name is Logan, and I will be guiding you on your journey through the world of the NICU. I'm a registered nurse who works at a leading tertiary NICU unit in Queensland, Australia, where we get babies ranging from severely sick and ill life-threatening circumstances right through to babies who just need a little bit of extra support after birth. So sit back, relax, plug in, have a good coffee ready to go and I hope you learned something interesting and new today. just well i've got your attention guys give us a follow on instagram we've got two instas going at the moment the first is wilfred.and.co and the second which is directly related to this podcast is wilfredandfriends.podcast so give us a like give us a follow if you're interested in what we're doing and putting out there Feel free to send us a message as well if you've got any interesting topics or things that you would like me to explain on the show. All right, let's get into it. Episode two, let's talk all things NICU. So let's begin with just the term NICU. What is the NICU? What does it mean? What does it stand for? So, NICU is an abbreviation for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. NICU is um, somewhere that you would find babies who are born anywhere from 22, 23 gestational age up until 40, 41 gestational age um, who are experiencing, you know, antenatal complications post-birth complications, issues of prematurity, you know, a whole range of things really they could be in here for um, that essentially come to us, they come to the NICU because they need a bit of extra input and resources to help get them through whatever it is they're currently going through at the time. So what do we mean by neonate or neonatal? So neonate refers to the first 28 days of life. It's a particular period um, in a baby's life that all babies go through regardless of whether or not they're born early, on time, or a little bit later. Some other neonatal terms that you will hear um, is antenatal. So antenatal means before birth, postnatal, which is after birth, and perinatal, which is around the time of birth. Now we have a few more, so gestation or gestational age. So the average pregnancy spans for about 40 weeks and runs over three trimesters, which I will break down soon. And a term pregnancy ranges from 37 to 41 weeks. So the gestational age is essentially... The period of time from your last menstrual period um, up until now, so when they were born. So for example, if you were born at thirty seven weeks, your thirty seven weeks and zero days, your gestational age, which is your date of birth, um, would be thirty seven plus zero. Okay? So let's try that again. So gestational age is expressed as completed weeks of pregnancy over 40. Remember, our average pregnancy spans for 40 weeks. So if we have a baby that's born at 36 weeks and four days, we would express that as 36 plus 4 over 40. Okay. There is another one for gestation. So if you, you can also have a post-term pregnancy. So that's when baby essentially stays in the oven for a little bit longer to bake, um, you might say, uh, which can be for 41 weeks plus. Now, I wouldn't recommend that because there are a few complications involved with having a post-term pregnancy, which um, you can look up yourself and find out. I won't list them on here. Uh, but you would most likely be induced, I would say. There are a few midwife stories around, you know, how you can get a baby out a bit quicker if you're a little bit on the later side of 40. One of those was eating a really spicy curry, Um, for example, uh, going for a walk, having some exercise, doing a bit of a dance. You know, you may have seen that done in some pregnancy videos for women who are in the labour room and the reason why they're doing that is A, pain management, Um, and also B, trying to induce, bring on, you know, labour and get baby out, okay? Another term we have is preterm, okay? So late preterm is 34 to 36 weeks of gestation. Moderately preterm is 32 to 34 weeks out of the 40 weeks, remember? And very preterm is less than 32 weeks. And extremely preterm is at or before 25 weeks of gestation, okay? Now, I talked about trimesters a little bit before. So trimesters are broken down into the first trimester, which is week 1 to 12 of the pregnancy. So for the first three months. The second trimester is week 13 to 27 of the pregnancy, where, you know, you could refer to your baby as a fetus. And the third trimester is from week 28 to birth. So we, I'll go into this later, but the reason we break it down into trimesters essentially correlates to the, you know, different types of growth and development that is occurring in the womb with your um, fetus or embryo at the time okay. We then have some weight terminology you may come you will come across I would say uh, which we plot onto a percentile chart which essentially lets us know where your baby is at in terms of their growth um, and what we might need to bring into the equation or the nutrition or dietitian would need to bring into the equation to help get things going a little bit faster or quicker. You know, they may need to put on a bit of extra weight or whatnot. And we can use certain tools and implementations, you know, adding particular things to their formula, for example, or to breast milk to get things going, okay? So we have LGA, which means large gestational age. So they're in the 90th percentile. We have macrosomia, which is... For weight is above the defined limit at any gestational age. Appropriate for gestational age, which is AGA. Small for gestational age, which is below the 10th percentile, which is SGA. Low birth weight, LBW. And extremely low birth weight, so less than 1000 grams, ELBW. Okay. And yes, that may seem shocking, you know, a baby less than a thousand grams, but, um, you know, which is a kilo, but I've looked after babies. I think the smallest baby I've looked after has been 545 grams. So they do exist. They are out there. It's very common. The next thing I'm going to touch on is different types of neonatal units that your baby can end up in. So we have level one which is, you know, a neonatal nursery, which is for low-risk babies. Level 2, which is more of a special care nursery, so we have 44 in total in Australia at the moment, where mild or moderately ill babies would go. And then we have Level 3, which is the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, or NICU, um, where we have 23 in total in Australia. It also goes up from level three to level four plus. So I work in a level seven NICU to give you an idea of the intensity of, you know, cases that we have going on. We're the largest NICU unit in Australia and we get anyone and everyone from all around the country um, and also from, you know, Thursday Island, Cook Island, things like that. If they do come to us for whatever reason, if they're able to stand the journey or the flight Um, then they will come to us, okay? So the unit is designed, can basically be designed in two different ways. You've got um, the open bay environment, which is where I work. I work in that sort of environment and I will say I do find that it can be limiting in terms of um, enhancing and really delivering family-centred care but it it is positive in that you get to you know you could literally stand in the middle of that room, look around and see every baby, see every single monitor in that room, and see what's going on, you know for the six babies that are in that room. okay? So it is you know really positive from a nursing perspective, from a critical care point of view, but probably not so much from a family centered care point of view, okay? The next design unit that you can have is a single room or family rooms, which has been shown in literature to be superior for family-centred care and for neurodevelopment. Um, It's really allowing the family to begin together as a family unit and stay through the neonatal intensive care unit journey as a family unit, okay? So it's really open and broad in spectrum. A limitation on that is that as a nurse, you would have to physically enter the room to go in and see the baby, see the parents, what's going on um, in that environment. Okay. Now, I want to just touch briefly on what is the threshold of viability? Okay, You might hear that term thrown around a little bit. As nurses, it's definitely something that we look at when we go downstairs to a delivery. If we get called downstairs, it's something you think about Um, if you get called for a baby that's less than or just on 23 weeks of gestational age. If anything, it's more of an ethical or moral complication that comes along with the job of being in the NICU. So remember earlier how I said you've got your three trimesters and you have different things going on for babies in those particular trimesters. So, you know, if if a baby's born, let's say, at the latter part of the second trimester or the third trimester, your chances of survival and uh, are greater. The reason for being is because they've had more chance um, better chances to grow inside in utero in mum. They're a bit more developed. Uh, Their lungs are able to work, you know, when they come out. They may be able to breathe for themselves. They may need a little bit of extra support or surfactant or intubation, um, you know, given to just sort of help prolong things, uh, get things going, let's say. Um, However, so this is where it comes into play, the threshold of viability. If you have a baby who's born you know at 23 weeks or earlier so 22 weeks even and above the issue being with the baby when it comes out is will they be able to survive um, without seriously intervening okay the issue with seriously intervening is you know where you come in and you go yes we we can prolong babies and give them you know a better chance of survival if they're 23 weeks of gestational age however there will or potentially may be complications from the interventions that we need to, to create to uh, increase their chances of survival. Okay, that's a very broad way of, of putting it. And I'm sure a lot of other healthcare professionals or doctors would word that very differently to how I've just said it. But um, that's a very broad basis of it. Okay, so threshold of viability, it's an ethical or moral implication when you work in the NICU or if you yourself are a parent, um, it's something that I believe you should be aware of. It's it's out there in the literature, you can review it and look it up yourself. Um, so for Australia, for my unit in particular, let's say we... Look at a threshold of viability being, you know, sort of 22 plus six, even 23 week gestational age. Um, there are units around the world. I believe, uh, I think Sweden or Scandinavia has um, has 22. Uh, weeks gestational age as being their threshold of viability, um, and I believe some units in America may be doing that as well. But it really also comes down to the consultant on the unit, um, the doctor who is in charge, as to whether or not uh, what what level of threshold of viability we have as a unit ethically and morally. Okay. We recently had 23 weekers admitted to the unit. Um, So it does happen. It is out there. You can have babies uh, born and come up to us in the unit. They most likely, well, they definitely won't be going to mum at 23 weeks. I'll tell you that. Um, The reason for that is because their lung growth is so underdeveloped Uh, they do need that extra support um, for a certain period of time whatever that period of time may be there are a multitude of other things to take into consideration too you know if you have a baby born at 22 or 23 weeks of gestational age their body system is so underdeveloped that you essentially end up having to you know, do everything for them to help them progress and get along. Um, And you can have a cascade of events as a result of, you know, the interventions that you've had to put into place um, to allow them or, you know, enable them to survive, essentially. The next thing I wanted to touch on is just um, about some statistics, specifically for Australia and New Zealand. So, male births exceeded female uh, at a rate of 51.2% for 2016. The data also showed that 8,288 bubs were admitted to a level 3 NICU or above, Um, 2.8% of live births, this is equivalent to, um, and 37% were born at less than 32 weeks of gestational age. Okay, so that's placing them at um, very preterm or extremely preterm babies. So the risk factors for preterm birth identified were teenage motherhood, so 19 years of age or less. The flip side is also um, older mums of 35 years of age or more, previous prem birth, smoker, inadequate antenatal visits, preeclampsia, antepartum hemorrhage or placental complication. On our unit in particular, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, sort of eight times out of ten when I'm getting a handover, I will say the most common complication that we have uh, in mums is antepartum haemorrhage, which can then lead to um, complications for baby, and baby ends up with us for a little bit. Okay. In New Zealand, there were 3.3% admitted to a NICU, which is much higher than Australia which is interesting Um, and 29% were born at less than 32 weeks of gestational age okay something to think about when you know if you're pregnant and have a baby one very important thing I'm sure your midwife would have spoken to you on it is a thing called teratogens Okay, so teratogens are basically um, anything that can cause harm to a baby in utero. So, for example, smoking, you know, taking drugs, um, be they illicit or non-illicit, I don't know if you know this, but you cannot take Nurofen when you're pregnant. Okay, have a chat to your midwife about that. Um you know, and, and, and other things. You can essentially look up the word teratogen if you wanted to and it would come up with a whole broad range or list of things. Um, I'm sure one of which you, you also know is alcohol, you know, in particular don't drink alcohol. I know it's tempting to drink that wine but just put it down, don't do it. There's a thing called fetal alcohol syndrome, you know, which is linked to drinking alcohol in birth and the amount of alcohol that you drink during your pregnancy um, can affect your baby when they come out. And there's different stages or levels to fetal alcohol syndrome too in terms of severity and how severely affected that a baby can be from that as well. Okay, now we've got probably the most boring stuff out of the way. Um, I just wanted to touch on things to say to a mum and dad who have a baby in the NICU. Okay, I've been chatting with some mums and dads um, that I've been looking after, and I asked them, and I said, you know, hey, what would you like for friends or other family members who ask you, or anyone who asks you, really, you know, what's going on in 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 the NICU? How would you prefer for that to be approached? And they sort of told me that a lot of the time, what they get asked is, um, you know, is your baby okay? Um, what's going on and your questions that can really just stress them out a little bit that may have been said in a loving from a loving place but in an inappropriate way okay Um, I had one mum in particular I remember tell me that she had put a photo up on you know facebook or wherever and she had someone message her and say actually can you please not post any photos of your baby whilst they've got you know all this tubing on and these wires on and that's that's pretty offensive i mean that's that's mum's decision to do that let me just say um if you don't want to see it don't look at it you know Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. So what you can say is a lot of the time what mum and dad said to me, they said, look, just ask us, just be open and ask us, what's going on for your baby? What does CPAP mean, for example, which is continuous positive airway pressure? Um, We use it in a machine called Bubble CPAP. I'll go through it at a later stage in another episode with you, but broad overview, it helps them breathe, okay? You know, they have a little mask on their nose or some prongs, um, and they get the air, air in that they need, which supports them because they can't really breathe by themselves right now. So Mums and dads that come into the NICU, I will say they end up leaving the NICU very educated, very aware. Um, so they do know a lot of things. Okay, you can ask them, don't be afraid. If they don't want to answer, they won't. If they don't have time, they won't. Be patient with them. Give them space when they need it, okay? They're not going to be on their phones 24-7. They've got a lot going on in their mind. You know, they're going to be in the NICU quite a lot of the time. When you're in the NICU cuddling the baby, you can't really be on your phone because we're so over the top. I won't say over the top, but we are very controlled in the NICU environment. You know, premature babies don't have much in the way of an immune system. Um, So if you think about it, phones are pretty dirty. So you don't really wash them. Uh, A lot of people wouldn't even think to wipe them down with an antibacterial wipe, for example, you know. So we encourage parents not to touch the phone and then touch their babies. So they can't really be on their phone all the time even when they're in the NICU, especially if they're holding baby, okay. So, yeah, please don't be offended. Give them space. Give them time. They're probably going to be a bit fragile, especially in the early days. They may not be getting enough sleep, okay. so just just give them some space, give them some loving, you know. Just say, hey, just checking in, making sure you're okay, hope you have a good day. Um, Another appropriate thing you might, you might be, you know, want to say to mum and dads who are in, who have babies in the NICU is instead of, oh, wow, he's so small, which they get all the time. Um, Come on, like... I understand why you would say it. It's, you know, the first thing. Or you could say, oh, look, um, he's got such cute hands, such cute feet. You know, look at his little toes. Can't wait to see him grow. You can ask them for growth updates and measurements. Parents get really excited about that. We often have little sweepstakes that go through the unit um, to say, how big do you think you know, such and such is today and we'll place bets, uh, for example, it's not real bets, it's probably just chocolate or something, on um, how big, say, Ben is today, for example. And it, it turns into a bit of a game. So maybe you could be involved in that and make your own little sweepstake and turn it into a fun event for them, for mum and dad. Okay, Next thing I would recommend is just be upfront and ask mom and dad to just say, hey, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Can I water your flowers? Can I take your dog for a walk? Can I look after your kids? You know, half the time the issue is parents can't get into us because they have kids at home themselves that need looking after. Um, they've got a dog that needs to be taken care of or whatnot. So just taking that little bit of extra stress off their plate would probably be a godsend to them. Okay the next thing is just be honest be open let's be real okay let's just let's be real about things yes they're fragile they're in a delicate place of mind and no definitely do not go and say things that are inappropriate like oh it's so small and so tiny and you know oh my god what are those wires what are those things going into him or her that's that's not a that's not cool guys you know think about that. Think about what sort of headspace you would be in. Put yourself in their shoes, basically. Put yourself in their shoes. Cannot stress that enough, okay? Anyway, I've rambled on a little bit there, as I usually do, Um, but I hope you've got some key points out of that, please. I'll just, so, little recap. Be honest, be real. Make it relatable. Think about what they're going through, put yourself in their shoes, Um, say appropriate things, don't say inappropriate things, you know, and be there, be a support person, don't get upset if they don't reply instantly, give them time, give them space and just allow them to reach out, you know, when they want to reach out and the other thing is try and encourage them to reach out and have someone that they can talk to You know, maybe if it's just about every day to day things, get them out of that headspace, which they are consistently 100% in all the time, which is, you know, what's going on with my baby and are they okay? And, you know, will they be okay? They're always thinking about that constantly. So just maybe take them out for a coffee, get them to go for a stroll outside in the nature, you know, early morning, drop them off to the NICU. Um, Pick them up, take them home if you want. You know, hospital parking is so expensive as well. So even just the little things would be fantastic. Pay for their parking for a month, for a week. That would be amazing. Buy them coffee vouchers for the cafe downstairs in the hospital. You know, bring them goodie packs. You know, muesli bars, snacks, cups of noodles so they can quickly eat something whilst they're in the NICU with us and, you know, go back to their baby without worrying about, oh, I need to pack lunch for tomorrow or forgetting to pack lunch, which is what happens, um, and then ended up ending up spending so much money downstairs at the cafe. Okay. But that's something I'll talk about a bit later as well is, you know, what can you bring in gift-wise for someone who has a baby in the NICU? What can you give them? So that'll be a little bit of something else. I will just say be mindful. We are massive on infection control. So we can't put anything into the cots with them, any of those beautiful soft toys, things like that. We can't really allow parents to pop in the cots. It's also a bit of a SIDS risk Uh, if you don't know what SIDS is just yet I would recommend looking it up SIDS so sudden infant death syndrome massive massive issue and it's something that we are on top of all the time in the NICU um, and even at home parents are on top of as well Okay, anyway, that's a little bit of a wrap up. I think I've gone over time for this segment and what I wanted to convey and get across to you guys. I hope you have a bit more of a better understanding of the world of the neonatal intensive care unit, some of the key terms um, and terminology that would pop up, uh, some interesting things. You know, we talked, touched on threshold of viability, some statistics um and whatnot as well i'm sorry if today's podcast was a little bit dry for you but i hope it was educational uh if it wasn't too much fun okay but now i hope you've got a bit better understanding um and join us next time for our next podcast our next segment so my game plan moving forward is going to be each week on a monday Um, if I'm not working on a Monday, that is. Uh, I will bring out a podcast for you guys, which will be informative and educational. Um, If you send me in a tip, I will try and include it in my next podcast or at least my future podcasts. Um, And I will also be doing some little guided meditations for you to take into the NICU um, to get you in the right headspace and get you out of that you know, negative headspace if you're in one um, and try and reframe your, your way of thinking, okay? So be good, guys. Um, have a great coffee. Go for that walk you've been putting off. Call that person you've been putting off and I hope you have a really lovely day. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening in. Stay tuned for next time.